This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year to the company. Happy New Year to the family. Hope you guys had a fabulous New Year and as excited as I am for tomorrow morning. I'm going to set my alarm. DiPietro and Rothenberg, 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. Yes, the well-publicized new lineup starts tomorrow. Greeny, 10 to noon. Barton Hahn, noon to 3. The Michael K. Show returns. Yes, all the guys will be there. Michael K., Don LaGreca, Peter Rosenberg. They will all be in the house. So it's our new lineup, and I can't wait to hear how it sounds tomorrow. And I hope you join it as well. I got to tell you, a number of things going on here today. And obviously, the new year. So as a Nick fan, I'm really curious to see how this team is going to start out. Now, we'll talk a little football later in the show, I promise you. And I have a poll question up at hardest to ESPN, at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. And we'll talk about that in a second. But feel free to check it out and give me your thoughts. Or you can call in at 1-800-919-3776 and give me your opinions there. When I saw that the Knicks were playing the Phoenix Suns today in an afternoon game at the Garden, started at 3 o'clock, you know, you heard it right here on 98.7 ESPN. And I hear that there's several folks missing from Phoenix, right? Phoenix has got injuries. It seems like everybody's got injuries in the NBA, right? Isn't it crazy? Everybody's missing people. It's unbelievable. The the injury bug that's hit the league right now. But obviously a couple of a couple of folks missing for Phoenix. So for me, I'm thinking, uh-oh. This is a prime candidate for a Nick loss. And why wouldn't I think that? Why wouldn't I think that? Because they have trouble beating good teams. And of late, we saw what they did against San Antonio. All right? One of the worst teams in the league. I get that it was after an overtime thriller in Dallas. An unbelievable performance by Luka Doncic. I get it. I do. I understand. But my thought process was, here we go with the Knicks. Here we go with a bad performance. Here we go with a bad performance at home. That's what I'm thinking. And so when Phoenix jumps out to an early lead, I'm good. I'm saying, here we go. I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. And just let me stop for a second because I'm sure some of you are listening to me, but you're also watching Bill's Bengals. And there is a very serious injury that's on the field. You can see that the players are, you know, the ambulance is on the field. Uh, that's never good. Um, when you see the the cart, when you see the cart and the ambulance, you know that this is a very, very serious injury that's out there. We'll keep you updated as soon as we have anything on what's going on with that player. But the emotions on the sideline and on the field, you can see it's a very, very serious injury. Let me get back to my Nick thoughts. So I'm thinking, oh, here we go. Chris Paul is going to come in here. DeAndre Ayton started like he was going to go for 60. And they were rolling. 
And then the Knicks take over. And the Knicks are up by a bunch of points in this game. So for me as a Knicks fan, this is where you get antsy. Because even though you've got Julius Randle playing extremely well, you've got Jalen Brunson back, you've seen this team blow big leads time after time after time after time. So you're concerned. And when you see that they were able to hold on and get a win, I was ecstatic. I was ecstatic. I'm very happy. I don't care that they don't have all their players. I don't care. I don't. I'll take a win. As a Knicks fan, I'll take a win. And I love two surprises for me. That Evan Fournier, obviously because of injury, but Evan Fournier, give him credit as a professional. That he stayed ready. He was important in Houston. He gave minutes today. Hit some shots. Excellent. So give him credit. He did not sulk. Obviously, he's a veteran. Obviously, he wants to play. But the fact that he wasn't playing and he's ready to go at a moment's notice being called, give him credit. And Julius Randle, I have to say, continues to play well. Now, do I understand that he is a numbers compiler? Yes, I do. But his effort on the boards, 16 rebounds today. His shooting percentage, not bad. 7 of 18, not bad. Hitting his free throws, only missed two. But the important stat for me when I talk about Julius Randle, the important stat for me is in the turnover column. He had only one turnover today. One. One. As a matter of fact, the Knicks only had seven turnovers for the game. So he continues to play well. And I think, and I'm not sure who's available. I'm not sure what the Knicks are thinking. But when a player is playing the way he is playing right now, you just start to think to yourself, what can we get for him? Is this the time to move him? Is this the time where we can find a way to improve ourselves? Even though we're looking at taking 20 and 10 away from our scoring. 20 and 10. And I don't know where you're going to find it. I don't know where you're going to get that back. And once again, him playing the way he's playing this season. Got to give him credit. It's been a total turnaround from last year. Now, do I think that he's the guy that can take the Knicks to the promised land? No, I don't think so. And so that ultimately, right, is... The big test. The big test for this franchise is to find players who can get you to the next level consistently. Sustainable success. Now, if you're fortunate enough to find folks like KD and Kyrie, as Brooklyn has, and it's been on the run, that I don't know when they're ever going to lose again. Yeah, you know, 
there's not a lot of players like that in the league. But if you can find some players who are able to take you to that level, even if you get three or four of them, with a nice bench and some young players, maybe you can get there. So that's going to ultimately be the question for this Nick front office. Do you stick with Randall? First year of the big extension contract that you gave him based on what he did in the 2020 season. Or do you try to move him? Understanding that Fournier is going to be tough to move. Cam Reddish is not playing, but his age, he's a little bit easier probably, I think, to move. Although, this is now going to be the second team that he's going to move from, if indeed you're going to move him. Because he was sitting on Atlanta's bench, which is crazy because for part of that same 2020 season, in the postseason, he played meaningful minutes for them in the postseason. Now, was he great? No. But he had stretches that he was pretty good. So that's that's the interesting thing that is facing this Nick front office right now. You're 20 and 18. Realistically, how good can you be with this team? How far can you go with this team as it's constantly, as it's presently constituted? How far can you go? Are you are you a top six seed in the East right now? Consistently. Will you be a top six seed? Talent-wise, are you the sixth best team in the East? And the answer is no. Honestly, no. Now, listen, am I happy they won? Yes. Are they as good as they were during their eight-game winning streak? No. Are they as bad as they were during the five-game losing streak? No. They're somewhere in between. So the question becomes, what do you do to get better? What do you have to do to take that next step? Who are you willing to give up? How much of the future are you willing to mortgage to get to where you have to go? Are you sure this is the coach that you want that can take you to that next level? So many questions that the Knicks have to answer. So many. And obviously they're trying to play out this season and see what you do. Okay, still no R.J. Barrett, right, with the lacerated finger. Good to have Jalen Brunson back. And let's face it, Obi Toppin still doing beginner's rehab for that leg. So you don't know when you're going to see him. I don't think you see him in the near future. And the Knicks are giving no timeline. So just in the media speaking with him, I don't I don't think you're going to see him very soon. So this is a this is an interesting situation to see how the Knicks are going to handle it. Right now, going forward, it's keep winning, baby. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Keep winning. one 800 919 We'll come back. We'll take your phone calls. Also, we'll check in on our poll question. That's next. It's ESPN New York tonight on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Players are trying to compose themselves and get back on the field and resume play. Bill safety, DeMar Hamlin, injured in the first quarter of the, of the game. He suffered a hit, got up, remained standing for a few moments, and then collapsed without trying to support his fall. Just collapsed. And you can see 
on the sidelines. I mean, on both sidelines, the, the players are just stunned. But obviously on the Bills sideline, because it's one of their brothers, it's it's they they're dazed. And Bengals are leading seven three. This is it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of this game is played. Because I, I just don't I Having covered the NFL as I have for a number of years, that injury thing is is it's the great equalizer on football. And when it's your teammate, whom you've been with from the summer all the way through, you're about to get to this. You're late in the season, heading towards the postseason. And for an injury like that, of that nature, where ESPN colleagues of mine, Booger McFarland, is almost in tears in the studio. Just, just, it's, football is a, it's an unbelievable sport. We love it. We love watching it. We love the passion. We love the hits. But man, it's, it's a dangerous sport. It's a dangerous sport. And, Right now, the two coaches are talking, so I, it's rough. I mean, important game for both teams. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how they're gonna play this. I really don't. It's been a long. It's been a couple of minutes since they've uh, stopped playing. It's, it's scary. It just is. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's go to the phone. Spike is in St. Pete. Happy New Year, Spike. You're up first on ESPN New York tonight. Well, I want to wish you again a happy new year. This is tough to watch. I'll tell you something. Uh, you know me pretty well. If I had youngsters, I guess girls play football at some level today too. I, that's a tough decision to let your kid go out and play. It really is. And it just it must have put your memory back to Dennis Bird. Were you in the stadium when that happened? Yes, I was. Okay. Yes, I was. Now, now, he did recover, correct? Yes. Yes, it was. He, yes, yes. Yeah, I, I didn't see the play, and I really don't want to see it because, you know, we go to the sports, as this case, as to the candy store, and uh, it's just sad. So, thoughts and prayers and all that stuff, and I hope it's uh, not what it looks like to me. So, all right, I'll be real fast. You, you did a nice opening, as you always do on the Knicks. I felt this. I didn't feel like you did during the game today. It looked like a slaughter to me, and I said, all right, it's the Knicks. They can blow a 30-point lead. But uh, and I don't care who booked it. I don't care about any of that stuff. Just give me the win. Just give me the win. Yeah, and I agree absolutely. with you, too. Right. I, give you, I agree with you with Julius Randle, and that's, you know, that's – look, he's trying. He's so strong. The three bigs on the court, they own the boards. They had a little bump down there. Brunson was out. When, you, when your orchestrator's out, it's going to be tough to win the game. I didn't like some of the things Thibodeau did. Quickly's not a point guard. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. They're very small out there. But a win is a win, and I'll take it. And, boy, does the team work much better with Brunson. And I give Fournier Absolutely. credit, too. You know, Fournier stayed ready. He'll be moved. I heard the rumor. Uh, I never pronounced the guy's uh, name properly on Toronto. It's O.D. Anobi? Anobi? Uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anobi. Yeah, I heard they're going to package. Because they can't sign to have Van Fleet signed and have uh, Siakam, who's a top 15 player in the league now, and he's maxed out. And they gave an interview or whatever it is. I'll never get it right. They, he's matched up to Fournier with salary. And uh, 
you know, we'll see where we go. We can beat who's on the court. I don't really care. Chris Paul looks old to me, and he yeah. said, you know. But that team's pretty good. And you know what? I was telling the other people a story about the uh, center who was became a restricted free agent, and they only took him back because of the match. They wanted to move him to Indiana, and they wouldn't pay him. And then Sava was out, and all that crap went on. So they played him. And uh, I'll tell you, though, when they play the three bigs, you're not getting the rebound on the That's for sure. They're going to they're own the league. And anyway, that's it. So they're going to talk football later. I give the Giants a terrific year. I think the coach is first rate. And I heard Ira about 540 this morning mm-hmm. with Gordon. And, man, Larry, he's, he's, he's gone, man. That guy is so hurt in his pit of his stomach. And we know That'd his be. commitment to that. Uh, yeah, and we know the commitment to that team. So mm-hmm. thoughts and prayers to this this youngster, and I hope it's uh, not as bad as it looks. And it's great to have you for three hours. I appreciate it, Spike. Thanks for the phone call. The game has been temporarily suspended at 5.58 of the first quarter. Uh, it's been 23 minutes since the hit and the incident. Um, you could just see it was going to be hard for these players to play, especially the Bills players. I mean, some guys almost in tears on the sideline. It, it was going to be hard. It was really going to be hard. So um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what how they how they deal with it going forward. But uh, right now, the game temporarily suspended at 5.58 of the first quarter. Both teams have left the field. 1-800-919-3776. Lee's in Brooklyn. Lee, you're next on ESPN New York tonight. Happy New Year. Hey, what's up, Larry? Uh, how you doing, man? Good to I'm hear great. your voice, man. Thank um, you, sir. Enjoying the solo show. Yeah, um, basically, I was going to just say that I enjoyed a good year with the football, you know, as far as um, the season went on, you know, it, you know, distracted me from my neighbors and things like that. But um, as far as it goes, um, you know, I just enjoyed the season. I don't enjoy the injuries, of course, you know, that mm-hmm. brought this up, kind of like put a little damp on things. But um, now I'm going to enjoy the basketball season. Brought up some things about Randall and about where the Nets lose again. Um, they look really good. I hope they that do. they continue. We'd like to get a ring for Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And uh, be able to uh, bring that uh, championship home um, to uh, to Bethesda-Stuyvesant area. So um, yeah, man. What, so I just want to get continue to get your thoughts on. You know, I know you got a little dampened spirit there, but um, on uh, how you feel about the Nets and how they're going to go for the rest of the season. Lee, it's very simple. Thanks for the phone call. The Nets are one of the most talented teams in the NBA, and to be honest. Other than needing to get some depth in the front court, the Nets are the Nets can only stop themselves. Now I think they'll have trouble matching up with Boston. I think Boston is really good, and they've got one of the best records in the NBA right now. And as a Nick fan, I despise Boston, so it's hard for me to say that. But nevertheless, that that's what they are right now. They're they're outstanding team. The Nets are playing great basketball. Ben Simmons is doing just what they want him to do. Their bench is pretty good. Uh, KD is having an MVP season. I know we talk about, uh, you know, the Joker, and I know we talk, even Jason Tatum. But don't sleep on Kevin Durant. What Kevin Durant is doing with this basketball team, and once again, the admiration I have, the appreciation I have for his game is the efficiency of it. That's what I love about his game, the efficiency. How he is able to, it doesn't take him a bunch of shots to get a bunch of points. He's efficient. He's he's just he's a tremendous player. And I say it all the time. 
we sleep on his ability to play D. His ability to play D is right up there with some of the with some of the very very best in the league. So listen, if the Nets avoid major injury and they continue to play well and, and Jacques Vaughn continues to do what he does, uh, listen, you know they're they're gonna be right there. Right now, what are they? Third, fourth best team in the East. I mean, I take them over Philly. I mean, you know, but Boston, Milwaukee. You know, if, when Milwaukee's healthy, it's they're right there. They're right there. So it's it's just a matter of can they stay healthy? And they need a couple of they need a little more height and physicality in the front court for depth. I think they'll be they'll be right there. Subi's in Midtown. Subi, you're next on ninety eight seven. Hey man, uh, regarding the Knicks, do you think it's possible that they focus on, you know, R.J. Barrett's development, Quentin Grimes' development versus Julius Randle having the ball twenty uh, percent of the time during, in the game? We've seen uh, what the Pelicans are doing with Zion. You can clearly see that Randle and Zion's games are similar, but Zion is much more, much better. So I think the Knicks need to focus on the younger players, just having the ball in their hands and seeing two or three down years down the line if Quentin Grimes and R.J. Barrett can be like, uh, you know, you know, one of the better backcourts in the NBA. That's all I got to say. All right, Subi. Um, well, Quentin Grimes is getting playing time. That's something that people have, have been calling for. McBride's getting playing time. That's something people have been calling for. Yes, it's been because of injury. But nevertheless, they've produced. So the Knicks are kind of doing that. And it's, it's not going to – as long – they just signed uh, Brunson for a lot – for a number of years for a lot of money. So that backcourt is going to be Brunson and Barrett. That backcourt is not going to be – I mean, Grimes is going to be available. Grimes is going to get playing time. And he's going to get playing time, yes, because he can shoot the three, but also because of his footwork and his ability to close out on threes defensively. So those are the things that he'll he that's going to keep him in the lineup. There's no question about it. And if he can continue to produce and continue to get better and continue to do what he, you know, playing his game, he's going to be fine. And he will continue to get playing time. But you you can't talk about the backcourt and not talk about Jalen Brunson because he is he has been the difference in the team this year. You saw when he was out how different this team was. Has there been a couple of games where he hasn't performed well and the Knicks have lost? Yes, there has been a couple of games. But for the most part, he provides stability and experience, a guy who can make a jumper and get to the free throw line and hit his free throws. Listen, nobody's perfect. Occasionally he had a game where he missed some. But that's his game. That's the strength of his game. So... The Knicks are on the right track. The question is, how do they take the next step? That's the most important thing, and that's what the Knicks have to figure out. And if there's a time to move pieces, the time to try to move those pieces, very simply, is when you're playing well. And so that's why the most tradable commodity, I would think, at this point, would be Julius Randle, but I don't know that the Knicks are interested in trading him. They may say, listen, we're not giving up our guy right now. You know, he's playing his best basketball. 
So once again, you have, this is why I always say you have to be honest with yourself when you run a team, when you're in the front office, this is great now, but how far, how far can we go with this team the way it is right now? That's the question. Hey, this season marks the 50th anniversary of New York Islanders hockey. And to help celebrate, we're giving away tickets to the January 10th matchup against the Dallas Stars at the UBS Arena. To enter, download the free ESPN New York app, scroll down to contest, and submit your entry. Brought to you by the New York Islanders. Join in on the fun this season by grabbing your tickets at NewYorkIslanders.com. For full contest rules, go to ESPNNewYork.com. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. The NFL is probably trying to figure out what can they do. I mean, if this were earlier in the season, I think they would suspend the game or reschedule it. But it's it's week it's week 17. I mean, you can't. It, it's, it's a tough situation. It's It's a... It's a game both teams need. It's it's you know from 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 a competitive standpoint, from a emotional standpoint. I mean, I don't see how they. I, I don't know how you play the game. I don't know. I mean, just watching the video of it again during the break. I mean, he makes the tackle. Hamlin stands up, then he just falls down. It's it's. I mean, even with the concussion that we saw with with Tua, even he was moving around a little bit. This was this is this is really serious, and prayers go to him and his family right now. Clearly, and I was reading, and I see that Tua says he wants to come back and play. And Miami, when I last checked indicated that he is not in the mix for playoffs for the for the uh not not playoffs for the regular season matchup against the Jets but they're not going to play him and really i mean once again it's easy for me to sit here and say come on man you, you got to give it up you this is three concussions in one season Ladies and gentlemen, three concussions in one season. And the NFL is right now very sensitive, and they've taken as many precautions as they they can, teaching people how to hit differently and not use your head and all the protection and all the, you know, uh, defenseless receivers and all the different rules that they've had, all the different things that they've done, all the different things they've tried to do. And it's easy for me to sit here and tell Tua, no man, give it up. You can't, it's open. You need to, you have the rest of your life to think about this, man. You have the rest of your life to live other than what's going on with your football career. A guy who's worked hard, a guy who's made sacrifices, a guy who's done everything to make it to the National Football League. And, you know, I just, I just find it hard 
to say that he should continue to play. Obviously, it's not my decision. It's going to be his decision, doctors, family. The competitor in him wants to continue to play. I get it. But, I mean, think about that. Three concussions in one year at the quarterback spot when everything, all the rule changes have been made to protect the quarterbacks from injury. You know, Gordon Damer, who was a, uh, my sidekick on ESPN New York tonight, has the night off because he worked this morning for DPH on Rothenberg as they warm up for their 6 to 10 tomorrow morning here on 98.7. And he's a big Miami fan. He has constantly said that Tua just doesn't have the size and the bulk to play in the league. And I heard him Saturday, and he was saying the same thing. That, you know, you, he's, had a, he's had a really good season. Miami's done really good things. They've not been the same without him. There's no question about it. But you look at it right now, this is a this is a scary, scary situation. And for this young man tonight, I mean, I once again, I just don't know how you play. I don't know how the guys could play. Every every time you hit somebody, that's gonna play in your mind. And football is based on physicality. You can't you if you don't play football at the right speed and physical, you will get seriously hurt. I've had a number of players and coaches tell me that. You play at the wrong speed, you will get hurt. And I just don't know how you how they mentally, both teams, but especially Buffalo, could go back on that field tonight and play that game. And from the NFL side of it, how do you how do you reschedule a game like this? How do you reschedule when you've got one more regular season game left and both teams are going to the postseason? It's a tough situation. It's a tough situation. We'll wait and see what happens. It's still uh, temporarily suspended. And um, you know, we'll keep an eye out on uh, what's going on and keep you updated. At hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore seven. If I have a poll question, I haven't done it for a while, so I thought I'd start the new year with it. What's the biggest reason the Jets are not making the playoffs? Is it offensive line play? Is it quarterback play? Is it coaching? At hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore seven FM. Early polling, obviously, most people say quarterback play, and that's the clear thing. But it's not just quarterback play, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just that. Okay, the offensive line play has not been good. It hasn't. And once again, while Joe Douglas has done a very good job this draft and last draft with an incomplete on Zach Wilson, although it's leaning towards F, uh, he still has not been able to get a decent offensive line combination. He's had pieces. He's got a couple of good pieces, but they've not played well together. They just haven't. And with the injuries this year, it was even worse. So the offensive line, and because of the offensive line play, they weren't even able to run the football effectively. Part of it is because they knew the quarterbacks weren't passing well. And the other part of it is because they weren't able to, there's a bunch of people in the box and they can't get them out. Coaching has been an issue. And we talked, I talked earlier in the season about to see 
with all the people that had to improve and all the players we were talking about improving and all the things we had to see, we needed to see Robert Sala and his staff take the next step. Now, for the most part, they have made some improvements, but there's been some major hiccups of late. And for an NFL team to not be able to score a touchdown in back-to-back games is inexcusable. Is it quarterback? Is it coaching? Is it play calling? I mean, you go back to the Minnesota game. They got to the they got to the red zone. Couldn't get in. Six times. One of six in the red zone. It's unacceptable. Is it the offensive coordinator? Would it be if there was a different offensive coordinator? Would would the coordinator be able to find a way to make Zach Wilson better? Would the coordinator be able to find a way to be more effective in the red zone? I don't know. I don't know. It depends on the coordinator. It depends on the philosophy of that coordinator. Now, Robert Sala came out today and made it clear that he is, you know, backing his guy. You know, Michael LaFleur is his guy. He's backing him. And it's a young coaching staff, he says. Young young players grow together. And that's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to back his guy. But as you and I both know, for a team that was seven and four, actually was six and three, but a team that was seven and four and has lost five straight games and a playoff spot, somebody's got to pay. You had the playoffs in your hands. Defense has struggled. Defense has not been as good the past month. It just hasn't. It was better early in the season. They made some plays. They got some pressures. They did some things. They got some turnovers. This was a better defense than they played the past couple of games. And once again yesterday, I mean, they, I mean, Seattle marched right down the field on them. 69-yard running play, boom, three plays. They were in the end zone. Three plays. So they have to look at their defense. They need some adjustments there. Okay, they need some adjustments. They need a little better run stopper. And I don't know what they're going to do with linebacker. I mean, you know, C.J. Mosley's had a phenomenal year. But you're going to have to ask him to take a pay cut. You're going to have to ask him to, because he's going to be a cap casualty. Quinny Williams has, has got to get paid sometimes. He's, he's due. He's, he had a tremendous year this year. Pro Bowl D lineman. Led the team in sacks. Defe- Jets would not have been there without their defense. So for most of the season, the defense played very well. They were a bend but don't break defense. They made plays. They kept the game close, and the Jets were able to find ways to win. 5-2 and two with Zach Wilson. But you had a great running back in, in Brees Hall, and he was outstanding. Once he went down, Elijah Vera Tucker went down. Things changed. Things changed. What's the biggest reason the Jets are not making the playoffs? At hardest to ESPN, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Also, we're here from the Giant fans. Your guys did exactly what I thought they should do. Now, they didn't do it early, but they, they went out and they had their way with Indianapolis to the point 
that I had to turn my I had to turn my TV off. Daniel Jones cheered. The crowd was chanting Daniel Jones during that game yesterday. The people who called here and said he wasn't any good, the people who called here and said he turns the football over, and they were right. He was turning the football over at an alarming rate. Shows you what coaching can do, right? Come on, Giant fans, you deserve to celebrate. Your team is going to the postseason, and most people predicted your team would not get five wins. You've got nine. 1-800-919-3776. Your calls are next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Let's head back to the phones. Robbie is in Massachusetts. Hey, Robbie, Happy New Year. You're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry, Happy New Year. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this since the kid mm. uh, collapsed at Loyola Marymount. Remember that kid? Yeah. The basketball yes. player years yes. ago. I mean, this is, my mouth is dropping. I, they, they can't play this game again, Larry. They just can't play this. I mean, I, I don't know how the Bills, especially the Bills players, can get on the mm-hmm. field. And you made, made a comment before about – you know, playing football, you have to play with emotion. You have to play full force or else you, that's how you get hurt and so forth. So I agree with you. I, want, I wanted to say, first of all, I'm just ecstatic about the Giants. And I think Good Brian Dable's done a, a tremendous job. And uh, the staff and Joe Shane, especially when they turned over about 20 different players on their roster this year. But I tell you, if Brian Dable was the coach of the New York Jets, the Jets would be in the playoffs. You asked the question before, what's the problem with the Jets? To me, it's clearly a combination of injuries. Uh, a, a lack of experience at the quarterback position, or, or at least consistency, and and the, and the number one thing to me as a coach is, I, I think my I think Mike Lafleur has been a disaster for this team. You can't tell me you can't score uh, more than one or six inside the red zone in a game like this, and you scored sixty points in the last five games. I mean, Garrett Wilson catches one ball, so well, they went for eighteen yards yesterday. Mm-hmm. That kid's outstanding. I mean, I just don't get it. I, and I really think if if, if Woody Johnson has the cojones to do so, I really believe that he should go out and get a guy like Sean Payton if he will come to the Jets and have an t- autonomy of his team. Now, I don't think that would be inspiring Joe Douglas because I think Joe Douglas, for the most part, has done a good job. You can't tell me that Zach Wilson can't be a serviceable quarterback in the NFL. I mean, seriously, Larry, I mean, this kid has talent. What what was the problem? I mean, you mentioned the offensive line, too, of the Jets. Obviously, it starts with the Beckton injury. You know, he's been a disaster, obviously, since he was drafted. stupid because I wanted him, and thank God the Giants drafted Thomas, but... Uh, I'll get your thoughts on it because I, I really believe that that I, I, I really believe that Robert Sala has done a very good job and he does Lafleur, and uh, I, I blame I blame mostly coaching for look at that look how Daniel Jones how much he's improved under mm-hmm. uh, Brian Gable's leadership yep. and Mike Kafka's leadership. So yep. anyway, thanks, man. I'm happy and healthy to you and your family. So I appreciate it. Thanks, Robbie, and so. to you and yours as well. Um, listen, that's why I said that that's the question going forward. He. And I've said it before. He can't be, Zach Wilson can't be that bad. Can't be that bad. Now, he may not be great, and they may have mistaken it, made a mistake, looked at what he brings to the table. But he he is just, he, and yes, I get it that, as, as Steve Young said on the Michael K show, the game is too fast for him right now. He doesn't, he doesn't deserve to play. He's not good right now. He doesn't deserve to play. So from a confidence standpoint, he's afraid to make mistakes. He's staring. He's waiting for receivers to to be open when in the National Football League. It's rare occasions when they're wide open the way you expect them to be when you were in college. But 
as you always say, it's the successful coaches are the ones who adapt their philosophy and their schemes to the talent they have. And even going back to the situation with Denzel Mims last season and going back to the situation with Elijah Moore this season and Brian Costello of the Post talked about how Michael Carter, the running back, has disappeared from the from the from the from the running back position this season. I mean, there's just too many issues where um there's too many issues, too many instances where players have not fit this system. And maybe there's a situation where you know, maybe you need to change it. Did they simplify? I mean, I don't know the playbook. I don't know. Could they have simplified it more for Zach Wilson? I don't know. I don't know. I know this. Okay, if it's not the offensive coordinator, then what you saw yesterday, and listen, I don't believe that Mike White was even close to 100%. Not even close. He may have been 60%, maybe 65%. Now, once again, he was given clearance to play, so you you can't blame his injury for how he performed. But based on what you've seen this year from both quarterbacks, the starting quarterback for the Jets next year is not on this roster. He's not on the roster. Can't do it. Now, um, I'm watching video now of the two coaches, um, Shaking hands. So I got the idea that this game is going to be, it's probably going to be suspended. Um, But I'm not sure what they do to make the game up. So that's going to be the interesting thing. But we'll wait and see until we get an official word here. But that's, that's the situation that the Jets are facing. Okay at one of the premier positions in the National Football League, you don't have a guy. And yet, no matter who's back there, you got to fix the offensive line. And yet, no matter who's back there, you got to do a better job of handling your coaching, your your play-calling situations. I mean, there were too many occasions when the team threw too many passes. I mean, Joe Flacco throwing 50 passes first two weeks. I mean, stop. One way to go. Wasn't good. Got to be more balanced. Not talking about you have to run. Okay, I'm not saying you got to run. I'm not saying you have to do ground and pound, but let's face it. That was the Jets' identity going into this season. It was kind of like the quarterback managing things. All right? And judging from, once again, I'll interrupt myself, judging from what I'm seeing on the sideline where guys are packing their bags and stuff, I think they're not playing this game. I don't see them playing this game. Because the folks are packing up the stuff on the sideline, so they're, you know, they are um, coming close to making the decision, and I don't think they're going to play tonight. And I understand it, and I and I agree with them. Now, how do they handle going forward? That's another question. It's another question. How to make the game up? What did they do? I don't know. 
But under this situation, the way it was mentally, physically, emotionally, you can't play this game. You can't. You can't. You need that emotion to play. You need that physicality to play. And especially Buffalo. On the road, right? On the road. I mean, just look when you just looked at the facial expressions of the Buffalo Bills players. Yeah, the, the bingo players as well. I'm not saying that they didn't care. It's not what I'm saying at all. But obviously for Buffalo, this is one of your teammates. This is one of your guys you've been to practice with. Them. You've, you've been in the locker room with them. You travel. You, this is one of your guys. It's personal. It's personal. And so for him to just stand up after take it, making a tackle, stand up and just fall down out? I've never seen that happen on the field. I've never seen that. I've seen people laid out. I've seen people get hit and not get up. I've seen that a number of times. Covering sidelines for the Jets, which I had the pleasure to do along and be on the broadcast team with Bob Susan and Marty Lyons. I had the chance to see that a number of times. But just to stand up and pass out like that? Never seen that. Never seen it. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. 